Alright, it's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast here on WrestlingInc.com. No PD Williams, he's probably still feeling the side effects from the beatdown he got from Matt Seidel on Impact last week, but I reached out to a really good friend of mine who just started a wrestling podcast, so I had to bring him on to talk about what he's doing. Well, listen, I, I'm excited. Joe Pizapia is here. We've done fantasy together for many, many years. Now we're both putting our toes in the wrestling pool to see how it's going. Joe, welcome. Dennis, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here chatting wrestling with you, man. This is going to be a good time. And uh, look, this is this is not just like a side thing. This is not dipping my toe. This is a, this is a passion since I was a kid all the way through my entire life. So this is really... I look at it, it you know, it's it's the life's work finally coming to some sort of culmination, Dennis. That's that's really what it is. If you're a P.D. Williams fan, if you're listening on or on Wrestling Inc., please go check out this guy's podcast. Joe, you and Tim are are salt of the earth guys in the fantasy industry. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast before we get going. A, how did it get going? How'd you get the name? Let's let's tell me about it. <laughs> well, you know, Tim Heaney and I, Tim works over at Rotowire, and uh, we, you know, both been in the fantasy sports industry for a while, baseball and football, both of us. And, uh, you know, we became really good friends the last uh, four years ago or so. And um, it just turned out that, you know, as we started to get closer, we started to talk more and realize how big of wrestling fans we were. And we didn't have like those peripheral wrestling conversations. We had deep wrestling conversations about you know gimmicks and structure and why this guy should get a push and this guy shouldn't and understanding the psychology of matches and all these kind of things and and it was one of those things that just kept growing and growing and we said you know what we should do a show one day and then finally this came you know this year and we said you know what screw it we're gonna go do it and we did a test show for a network and they liked it but then the network had some issues and they couldn't pick it up so we went and we just did it on our own and that's how much we love doing it we're just doing it because we love it and there's no better reason and uh for me i come from a fight background so um not the professional wrestling background i'm no williams but uh i've been working in uh with actors for the last 20 years i teach uh combat and sword fighting so i train actors to go fight on shows and my actors have gone on to you know fight on things on hbo and fighting films and things like that so uh so it's i understand the world i understand choreography i understand and have a great respect for what happens in that ring and uh i I tell you it's just one of my favorite things and just excited to to chat about it and excited about the show and i'm excited to talk to you man where can they find your podcast what's it called how often do you do it well, look, we just started this week. First episode just dropped. It's called In This Ring uh, Podcast. And the reason it's called In This Ring is because some of our good friends who are in the fantasy industry, uh, Chris Welsh and Scott Bogman, who run In This League Podcast Network, uh, they are hilarious, by the way. If you're a sports fan, you want to talk about I, – I honestly, Dennis, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to those guys, and I've been doing radio for years now. I listen to those guys because they just make me laugh, and they're really great. They do every sport. It's crazy what they do, and they they put us on. So if you go to InThisLeague.com, you can listen. It's on SoundCloud. Uh, it's called In This Ring, or you could just go over on Twitter and uh, hit me up at JoePizzaPia17. The link is there, or Tim underscore Heaney. And uh, like I said, we just got In This Ring off the ground. We did episode one. We recapped Elimination Chamber, talked about, you know, the post-mortem Raw and, of course, the SmackDown where they're trying to go here with the next pay-per-view. And we'll talk independent stuff, too. We're going to talk a lot of New Japan and a lot of um, Ring of Honor. And we can go into NXT and all that, too. So we're we're full service over there. As I said before, it is Dennis Farrell and P.D. Williams approved. So make sure you get <laughs> that onto your download list now. Trust me, it's online. I'm excited. I, I, I reached as soon as you posted it, I reached out like a little schoolboy on Christmas morning. <laughs> I was excited. Hey man, and I was excited that you said, Hey, you wanna come on tonight to the show? And I said, Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm game. I you know it's and this is like just you and I go back a while, you know, back into the baseball and football days and stuff, and we always knew that we liked wrestling you and I, like we knew that about each other, but you know, you never know just how deep, you know, that that love goes and how it's either ingrained in you or it's not. (laughs) And, you know, over the years, again, we just kind of really understood this and I love what you're doing here. And I'm, you know, always been a big fan of your stuff. And this is just, uh, 
I, I'm so happy for you guys that it's been going so well. And, and it's not an accident because it's something you're passionate and knowledgeable about. And if you are, I think people want to listen to you. Well, you've gone and made me blush. So let's let's talk wrestling. Five minutes in, let's talk some wrestling. Let's start out with the John Cena storyline right now where I – here here's the thing. I love where the storyline is going. There are a few plot holes that are really bugging me from, from getting into it. But overall – this might be the most I've cared about John Cena in 10 years right now. And I, I love the beatdown. I may not make it the WrestleMania storyline that they're going with. But boy, to me, the, the last week, they really buried SmackDown with this. Where he's he's not mentioned it. He's not shown up. He didn't care about SmackDown until he really needed it. And then he goes in and beats the champion. Come <laughs> To me, this storyline would have been so much better if he lost and then kind of found a way to interject himself at the pay-per-view, and then you went from there. But, man, to to me, you really buried SmackDown here. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point of view, and I think that would be great because then he becomes like a man truly without a country, right? And then he becomes sort of this weird loner John Cena, which is not something we're used to or something he's used to. And that would be a really fascinating place to take that character because they'll never turn him heel. We know that's never going to happen. And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that too, but turning him desperate is kind of interesting. And I'm with you. I think that would be a great way to take it. Uh, I loved what he did on Raw too, the way they all, you know, in the crowd, hook, line, and sinker, that whole Undertaker bit was just, that was brilliant. And I, I mean, to me, that was a that was a great turning point too, where he really just he kind of like put the screws to everybody there, and I loved it. I'm not a Cena guy either. I'll be honest with you. Got respect for the guy. I have great respect that he puts the younger guys over, and he will lay down for them and put them over, which is something a lot of the older guys sometimes won't do. And the guys that are as established, we've seen that in the past with the Hogan's of the world and a lot of other guys who won't put that other guy over. But Cena doesn't do that. Cena does that, and I think that's why he has the respect of the people in the locker room and, you know, understand why folks might not love Cena. I There's part of me that goes, well, you know, now he's just coming in there, and now he's – they, they, they kind of need him for the box office of, you know, elevating that pay-per-view because some of those secondary pay-per-views weren't working as well as some of the main ones. So putting the name of John Cena on the marquee helps that, and I think that's a that's – 50% of it. But the other 50% is I think it is good for that SmackDown brand, as it were, to have that name there and have him in the mix. It was a great match with him and Styles. We've seen them work well before. So I, to me, it's a positive. And, you know, I got to say, you know, whether you like him or not, it's definitely given a little bounce, I think, to the upcoming show. Here, my only problem is for the last, what, month on Raw, he's kind of been pinned clean several times. Now he goes to SmackDown and he pins clean the SmackDown champion. This desperate storyline, I might not make it to WrestleMania. You, To me, you really should have had the, the fans on the hook another week or, or another week or two. Maybe even have given them a match at, at Fastlane that says, listen, if you can make it through the gauntlet or, or, or something like that, then maybe we'll think about this. But until then, you're... You know, sign a six-month contract or something. Give me a commitment. Yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, I look at the Cena thing like this, too. If they went through with it the way you said, let's say he goes there and he builds it up and he loses that match, right? How do you then work him into WrestleMania? How? How? What would be the way to make that work? Because if if he's out of that mix in one show... Is it too much? Is it like the disintegration of the legend? Because that's an interesting storyline. If you want to take the disintegration of a legend and play that out, but then knowing you know the ego of these guys sometimes in a locker room, how far is a is a guy who's been the marquee name for so long willing to take a storyline like that? Here's here's what I probably would have done if if they were asking me, which they're not, but if they were. But they should. That's the more important thing, Dennis. They should. I think you're right, but you're not doing you're not doing the Undertaker. Thank God, by the way, because I am. I hate what the Undertaker is doing to his legacy right now. I I think he should have quit two years ago. We'll even talk about that maybe a little bit here. But you have him lose this match. 
no way to go. And then you have a second, a, a separate segment where if you believe the rumors from Sports Illustrated that Ray Mysterio is coming back and they're going to have a program with Ray and John Cena. I'm not spoiling anything, folks. It's out there. You have you have Ray come back, a big contract signing, and Ray's like, I'm excited, WrestleMania, you know, and then you have John Cena, you know, spoil the party. Not flip a table and put them through it, but you know, that's that would be how John Cena would go. I but I want him to 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 be desperate. I wanna see him worry. I like it. I agree, man. I think it would be a great I think it would be something unique. And I think he could actually pull it off because I feel like the desperate John Cena that we saw in the last you know week or so, it was a good vibe. I think it was a vibe that – is it weird to say humanizes him a little bit You know, because he's been so Teflon in his career and been so, so much the star? I don't know. I feel like it makes him more appealing because you kind of humanize the character a little bit, make him struggle a little. That That's what, that's what makes people care about you is when you're down and you're still trying. It, it's true. So – it's almost like WWE started with the storyline and just halfway through said, yeah, 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 I'm getting cold feet. Let's pull back a little bit. That's what this has that feeling all over it with. Because, I mean, they were telling an amazing story about a guy who was desperate, so desperate he went back to SmackDown. And then all of a sudden he goes back to SmackDown and he starts winning again. And it's just like, no, I want to see more emotion. Well, they're notorious with that, starting a a great idea, having it be really provocative, and then either the star changes it, which we all know happens a lot, or they don't have they don't follow through with it for one reason or another, you know, from a writing standpoint. And, And maybe it's also just them keeping their options open, you know, for main events and things like that, because, you know, we talked about on our show, too, we talked about this whole Strowman organic bill that's happened you know, then, well, how do you not follow it through then? How how do you let Roman win that and be the predictable thing, right? Well, are they just kind of keeping Strowman on the back burner in case there is an issue with Roman or something like that? And one of these, you know, rumored things comes true and, and they need another main event to pop in there and Braun can be that guy and they need him as a swing. Like, they, you know, that's, that's the logistics of the business, right? But at the same time, it, it makes you wonder, you know, when things happen organically and things are working organically – that's how that's how the best moments in this industry happen. When something organically builds and the crowd gets behind it and then the team of of writers and everyone supports it, you know, like a rock, you know, like like that kind of character and that kind of arc and how that can really, you know, change the whole landscape. You brought up Roman Reigns. Let's talk about him cuz I I'm open here that I I don't hate Roman Reigns. I kind of like him. I think the the WWE <laughs> Sounds like exactly like our opening the other day on our show. But you know what? It's not the cool thing to say, and I'm a little embarrassed at times to say it because I almost feel like because I feel that way, I'm selling out to the WWE product, and it, it, it's that's not the reason why I like him. He is suffering from the same thing John Cena does, that the writers are just not good friends with him, that they, they build him up to Super Cena and Super Roman heights, that people just naturally rebel. This this last week when he came out and called out called out Brock Lesnar was the best promo he might have had in the last five years. And, 100%. and if I'm the WWE right now, I might pull Brock Lesnar from every event and make it look like he knows shows and just have him do this because he turned that crowd around. When he left that ring, they were cheering him. People people always ask what would it take for for Roman Reigns to be cheered? I think we I think we just saw it. You know, for from here on out to WrestleMania, you have Lesnar start no showing shows and then have him call call him out. I think that's your answer right there. I love it. I agree a, a thousand percent with you. It was a great promo. I thought it was heartfelt. You know, all this stuff is always better when it's got a tinge of truth to it and it's based in truth of how people really feel about each other. It's why it's why the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels thing always worked out because those guys did not like each other. You know, you could feel the real tension. You could feel the truth coming through because let's face it, not all these guys are great actors, right? Some of them are. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them not. So whenever there's a little bit of truth in there, it works really in their favor. I'm with you. I 
I don't have the Roman hate other people do. Roman's had some really good matches in the last six months. Yeah, there are they with some of the more talented people on the roster? Sure. But as I talked about on our show just the other day, you know, you can't get blood out of a stone. You just can't. You have to have a guy who can work. And if you're a terrible worker, I don't care how great you are, it's hard to drag them to a good match. But you can drag somebody who's pretty good to a great match. And he's had some very good, if not great, matches in the last couple months. And I, I agree with you absolutely as well about this idea of keeping Lesnar outside of it because there's two things that the crowd responds to. And you mentioned one of them earlier when we were talking about you know how uh, people like a little bit of adversity in dealing with that because they can respond to that. They understand adversity, right? So if you're that guy who scratches and claws and fights your way from a character perspective, that's easily identifiable. The other thing the wrestling fan base I think appeals to a, a great deal – is that idea of I'm out here busting my ass and doing the grind, right? And I think that's the point of view they're taking here, and that's really smart because the wrestling fan base is very loyal, very blue-collar for the most part. You know, They're out there doing the grind and doing that stuff, and they respect that. And to take Lesnar as that guy that – this is the guy that just drops in whenever he wants for a payday, and he doesn't love this business. He's not out here bleeding for you. He's not out here doing house shows. He's not out there doing appearances. I'm the guy doing all that stuff. I'm your guy. That guy just, you know, thinks he's bigger than the business. That I think rings with the audience, and I think if they take it that way, that could be a. I don't want to say it's going to change people completely, but I maybe going to warm some people who are on fence to him. It, it worked with the Miz when the Miz did that against John Cena. Absolutely, it, 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 people people turned and, and started cheering for the Miz more. So look at the reactions the Miz have now. That's back when he was calling out John Cena. I. Maybe it'll take more than, than this Brock Lesnar thing. But to, to me, that's your building block right now is to show that Roman Reigns is here. He wants to be here. And he's calling out the guy that's in the same city as a pay-per-view and still doesn't show up to it. Yeah. And I think the crowd reaction was pretty good. You know, it was really – what did you think, Dennis, of that, you know, <laughs> you know that moment a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago really now where, you know, Cena and, and – um, Roman going at it, and that crowd just like the, the hatred of both sides of the John Cena sucks and the Roman sucks, and it's like they didn't know who to hate more. Some of that, you know, that hardcore fan base, which I understand why they are like that. But what was your take on that? I'm curious to hear what your thoughts were about that. First of all, I'll say this, and I've been very open with the fact that wrestling fans at live shows really don't know what they're doing. When you chant, this is awesome, when someone takes a suplex or you start chanting, you deserve it. <laughs> well, you know, to, to me, they start chanting just to chant stuff. They don't know why they're chanting. The, the same reason with if you ask somebody why you hate Roman or why you hate John Cena, they can't really tell you why they hate it. It's It's because it's the cool thing to do. So when I listen to a crowd start chanting things, I go, come on, guys. This is not awesome. The, you're, you've been tricked into thinking this was awesome. You know, bring it back. But with that being said, that was a a kind of okay moment where I think that might let the WWE know, like, hey, maybe we should back it down a little bit. They've teased this before with Roman, by the way. I mean, how many times have, have, have the, what, a couple WrestleManias ago when Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank and we all were, took a, a breath of relief when he won it let's be honest Roman yeah. and Roman's not ready now out of all the people they could put that belt on he's just not ready not that he's not good enough not that he doesn't deserve it but as a fan and I want to say who my raw champion is I can't I can't imagine future storylines going forward with him as a champion that are meaningful right now it just it just doesn't seem like he has anything set up for the future as a champion well that's that's uh, that's true too and and the, some of the best champions obviously become the best champions because they have the best foils you know mm -hmm. it, it, you know you could go back to the flair days and you know i'm not a sting guy but it was great to have a guy like that go at, you know toe to toe because of the kind of character flair was and then the young other good looking guy coming up you know you know if you want to go back to the steamboat days with flair too but even so i mean you know hogan without 
Andre the Giant or Macho Man. It's, it's not really Hogan, you know? Hogan versus King Kong Bundy is not nearly as interesting as, you know, Hogan versus Macho Man. <laughs> you know, like, there, there's, there's, there's understanding that, you know, the greater the champion, you know, becomes, they, they ele- get elevated a lot of times because of what kind of storyline story you're able to put with them, you know? And, and, you know, I, I was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day. It wasn't on the show, but, you know, Undertaker was never a great champion, and I don't think he ever had a great foil when he was champion, and that's part of the reason. As great as Undertaker is, as much as he's a legend, you never think of him as a great champion, do you? No, no. You know, when I think of The Undertaker, oh, great. Let's get into this Undertaker talk, because I get a lot of heat on social media. Oh, segue in. When, when, when When I talk about The Undertaker, because I don't look at The Undertaker with kind eyes or that legendary figure he once was when i look at the undertaker now i look at a broken old man who hobbles to the ring and puts on a three-star match at best and might have a moment or two in there to to me the undertaker has pooped on his own legacy i'm gonna say it the, the last five years of watching it's almost like watching your favorite baseball player strike out all season long because he's trying to hang on at 41 years old. Oh, sure. The the WWE has ruined the Undertaker's legacy to me. I don't think of an undefeated streak. You can't now. Now he's losing left and right. And you can't tell me that the Undertaker was going to come back and beat John Cena because it wouldn't have helped anybody. So, well, it's funny because I, I made it up here. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to spoil the, the in this ring show, but we kind of had a discussion and, 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 you know, we go in length about it. And I compared, I said, you know, a lot of people hate Roman Reigns, they'll say, because he's got like the same move set, right? Like you see the same six moves, whatever it is. And to which I say, well, isn't that kind of Undertaker? And then they'll say, well, you know, but Undertaker had great matches. And I say, okay, name me the great match that he carried somebody to. Because when I think of the great Undertaker matches, I think of the first Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. We all think of the Mick Foley moment where, you know, none of those moments are because of Undertaker. His moments are all because of Mick, right? Uh, I think of the, the the Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania, Undertaker 1 and 2. Uh, I, I, think of, I think of always the, the guy who can elevate when he's got that great worker with him. And how different is that than Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns is a you know is a pariah, and, and the other one's an icon. Well, why? Why is that the case necessarily? And and I got nothing but respect for the Undertaker. Um, obviously, legendary person, and and one of these guys like Jericho who could always evolve the character and change it. And I don't like every evolution of what Undertaker did at times, but it was cool that he could always kind of take it different places and keep it fresh. And that's a hard thing to do with one company. For as many years as he did, I mean, you could argue that's unheard of in, the, in this industry to be one character evolved so many different ways for that amount of time. But, you know, when we look back on the career, again, show me the great Undertaker matches that don't have another guy who's better than him in the ring with him because I can't find one. Man, the, I got to tell you, you just blew my mind. I'm sitting here going, all right. But but every <laughs> but every great Undertaker moment, you think of the other guy just as much. You, when you mentioned the Shawn Michaels, you know, I don't I don't know if I could really tell you what happened in that match. I can tell you how awesome those entrances were. Mm-hmm. But well, the match itself is brilliant. You want to talk about I mean, storytelling, but you talk about you know some of the spots in that match too, and where they pushed him. But uh, I mean, it's it's about you know when you have those great workers like an AJ Styles or you know like a Seth Rollins and those kind of guys, you know they they improve those those mid tier talents in the ring. Now Undertaker was doing something very dark and different at the time. He was very revolutionary, and th- that's the problem with Roman. Roman doesn't have anything going on revolutionary. And I'm with you. I don't know where you take it because where do you take him? Who's the foil for Roman Reigns? Is it Seth Rollins? Is that the well you go down again? No. And here's why I wouldn't do Seth Rollins. You have one shot at the shield, the the bring them back together. You've done an amazing, amazing job so far with, you know, without Dean, you kind of separate them, have them go their own way, have them rub up against each other, but they're still the shield at the end of the day. But you can't have them turn on each other right now because when Dean comes back, 
you, you can't bring them back together for a third time. No one will care. It will not be the shield. And that's the only way, by the way, Roman's been cheered other than this last promo. So to me, you got to keep them separate. Now you could do maybe the brotherly fight to see who the best is, but there's there's no rub, there's no friction. It's just there's hey, no heat there. Yeah. No, there's no. You know, I'll tell you the guy who could drag it to uh, the because he could again. This is another guy that could do it with anybody. Is Jericho? If you're gonna bring Jericho back into the mix. Jericho will get the best out of that storyline because that's what Jericho does. Jericho gets the best out of everybody. And even at his age now, he's still going to get the best out of a Roman Reigns. I don't know how that's going to fly or how you do it. But to me, that's the only one that pops in. If you can if you could somehow get him back in the fold there, if Roman's champion, then you can – then maybe that's the foil that can make Roman great in people's eyes. But right now, I don't know if the foil is on that roster because you need somebody who can carry the dialogue for him. I don't know if anybody else in that roster can really do that right now. And you, you can't do Braun Strowman right now. It's way too early, and you have nowhere to yeah. go if you have him making it past Braun as a champion. You you have nowhere to go. To me, Braun is the final boss for a Roman Reigns champion, as weird as that sounds. So you got to keep them both separate. Now, maybe you could have him start storylines, and then Braun you know, will end them. And create friction, and then maybe, but you can't have Roman Reigns run from him. It's a hard thing to book there. It is, but you know, they undersell Braun a little bit too because he is incredibly charismatic and funny. And I don't think people see that side enough of him. You know, I was at the live event uh, at Madison Square Garden with my kids, and he was absolutely hysterical. Up and down the ramp, you know, when the cameras aren't on, some of the stuff these guys do, Mm -hmm. it's in character, but it's not. And he was just great. And you've seen him in some of these bits, too, like in the mix match bits, you know, like him and Alexa Bliss. The guy knows how to do comedy. The guy knows how to do bits. He, he's he got so much more to him than this roaring giant beast. And on top of that, I don't know if I've ever seen a big man of his size be as athletic as he is. I mean, he is just an athletic freak for a man of his size and power. And that is an incredibly fun thing to watch. And I think everybody loves him just because – they love him because of all that, but I think they're scratching the surface with the talent of that guy. I think that guy's just got enormous ability. You know, you're right, but the only problem with that is if you go into the comedy with him, he turns into the big show. Where Yeah, but see, Big Show I never thought was entertaining or funny like that. I I thought the big show stuff was always forced, like, look at me, I'm big. Look uh, it's like the fat guy in a little <laughs> coat, Dennis. You know, it's like yeah, it's funny. Fat guy in a little coat is funny, but it's funnier because Chris Farley, the way he does it. But whereas Braun, I think it's organically he, like he's he's quick. He's not allowed to be himself yet, and I wonder if some point in time, if if that evolves on its own organically, they could have something really special on their hands. They could have a real star on their hands in that sense. Hear me out, though. When I say that okay. he'll be the big show, I don't mean on the comic terms. I just mean I that yeah. when when he is goofy big show, you don't take him seriously, and he jobs the people. When he's menacing big show, you don't take him seriously because you saw him job the people and be funny. You, you this This menacing flipping trucks and all this stuff, this is kind of a one-shot thing. Because once yeah. you go in a different direction, you can't go back to him flipping stuff. And at, at some point, he's going to have to start taking pins. That's just what the WWE does of these guys. You you look at Luke Harper. At, at one point, he was being, you know, mounted up to be a, a TV, not TV, but the U.S. or Intercontinental Champion. And now he's a, a bludgeon brother, for God's sakes. They, they, but he's in phenomenal shape now, too. I mean, talk about a guy who's come <laughs> back in... Like a di- well, I'm just saying, like you no, know, you're take right. it seriously, man. You're, you're He's got enormous talent and skill, but the one thing that really held him back, let's be frank, it was the body type, and he he came back a changed guy, man. He and it shows in the ring too. He's faster in the ring now. I'd like to see him fight somebody that has you know that <laughs> somebody that wasn't just you know open the arena and let them walk into the ring and fight. I mean, some of these jobbers, I feel awful for some of these guys. Like I know they're excited to get on TV, but holy crap, man. They're taking a pounding. Some of these dudes are coming in there, just getting jobbed all over the place. But, 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 true. No, one hundred percent true. He to to me, you know, he took a page out of Jenna Mahal's book where 
He, you know, he comes back in amazing shape and is a champion for half a year. And but and you know what? He wasn't a bad champion either. Uh, you know, the anti-American, you hate me because I'm different thing, maybe a little played out in wrestling and he could have gone in a different direction, but he wasn't bad. But he comes back as a bludgeon brother, for God's sake. And yeah. where is this going? He beats up jobbers. I don't know. This is like the old member berries 80s wrestling gimmick. They've yes. got hammers, for God's sake. And like, if they start to do it tongue-in-cheek, I think it can work. Like If they, if they really get – if they understand – and they're cool that we know and they know like if they're in on the joke and we're in on the joke and everyone's in on the joke and it's goofy and it's it's a little bit we're scary but funny kind of thing and I think we'll all accept it but I think everybody's looking around at each other saying the same thing. We're like or is this is this really it like this is what we're doing is this the, is this the gimmick because I don't know man it's weird it, <laughs> I don't know what else to say it's a tougher version of the ascensionist basically I guess, I guess, but I love what's happening organically on that show with Rusev too. That's another one too. A guy who's taken better care of himself. You look at him the last six months. He's a he, his whole body type is changing. He's another one who's showing he's more. And this is kind of going back to the Strowman thing. There's another guy who is very engaging and personable and charming and has. You can't teach charisma. You either have it or you don't. And that guy's got it. And when they allow him to be him, look what's starting to happen organically. The crowd. I mean, it's been Rusev Day now for a while, and I don't know where they're going to take it, but I hope they don't just ignore it because there's a there's this groundswell coming with him, and he's entertaining. He's good in the ring. He's got the whole package. I don't know. they got to find a good foil for him too, and I don't know where it's going to be. If it's going to be him as the face against Bobby Roode as the heel, which I'm fine with that turn. I'd like to see that happen, but we'll see what they have plans if they can work him in with Orton maybe. I don't know. If you were to give me the Rusev push two years ago with this Rusev, I would say he could beat Roman Reigns. <sighs> That's a fascinating thought. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that, man. <laughs> you know, and it sucks in a way because he's in this he's in this tag team now with Aiden English. And, yeah. You know, and, and the tag team division, let's be honest, on Raw with all the injuries they've had, and I know, like, things haven't gone their way, but that tag division sucks. And uh, Apollo Crews is fun in the ring, and he's obviously a brilliant worker, and Titus has no business being in the ring at all anymore. So this whole thing is – it's a shame because the bar is terrific. It's the best thing I think that ever happened to Sheamus. It's probably the best thing that happened to Cesaro too. It's it's really evolved and become a really great thing. But all the talent, all the tag team talent is over on the other show. And I don't know how you – you got to find a way to move one of those teams over and make that work because the bar does not have anybody to face at WrestleMania right now. When they get rid of this separate brand thing, it'll be so much better because you do not have the depth in the women's division, tag team division, cruiserweight division to to really sustain two shows. It's it's a travesty what they're doing by splitting the shows up. Well, you know, I think it can work if you're smart about how you how you split it up. The problem is, I think. You know, when you mount all the injuries that they've had on the raw side of things between Dean and Cass and Joe, and I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't think they were able to do the things that they wanted to do. But yeah, the problem is too. You start what you do is you de facto limit your combinations of things like that whole string where every week it was some combination of oh here we go it's going to be Shinsuke and Randy Orton and you know it's like it's like the same three guys and the same four guys and like. Every possible different combination of match we can do, it's like it gets stale because you're not able to switch up matchups. And even guys that are really talented, like the Nakamura's of the world or the Whartons of the world, it's it starts to get a little, you know, like okay, well, I basically saw that last week. And you're just giving it to me in a different package. It's not as exciting. You, the, the different combinations will make it easier, and I think it, it might even spark some better feuds and things like that. Because I think that's what it needs right now. I think it's a little thin on the raw side, and I think they could use a little bit of a, I don't know, a jump start and a little kickstart to get these things going in a different spot. When they get rid of the, the brand split, though, do you keep the WWE title and the Universal title, or you just make it Universal title here? I I think you have to put them both together. There's only one champion. You, I agree. To me, you. I'd like to go back to glory days where the Intercontinental Champion was the automatic number one contender. 
I mean, people forget those days. That oh, that's a good point, man. To me, that's when that belt really made meant something. I mean, the Miz is doing a phenomenal job. You could feel the difference in the air when Roman came out with the belt. No, not the Roman. It just Miz has done an amazing job of telling me every week that he's made this belt mean something. Now that it means something, even when he doesn't have it now, it doesn't mean as much of it because the Miz told me he made it mean something. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that you're right. I think if you're going to get rid of this brand split, if you're going to, you know, really do that. And, and we even talked about on In This Ring show as well. We got into the whole thing where you're looking at the Raw women's side is stacked. SmackDown women's side, who's Charlotte's opponent? You know, are you going to flip Oscar from that other match from Alexa Bliss and just have her go fight Charlotte at the end of the day? Like, you know, we, we talked about it. It's like, you know, you haven't seen the graphic with her and Alexa yet. You know, for WrestleMania, I haven't seen that graphic. So, you know, I don't know if anything's locked in because right now there's no Charlotte Flair storyline. And we're only a couple of weeks away. And I don't know how you're going to build that in a couple of weeks unless you turn Becky heel, which I don't think that's what you want to do necessarily. Or if you have another one, he's like, you know, I understand not everything's worked out and, and some of the people that they bring up. But, you know, I know they had the page injury on the Raw side, too. They thought she was going to be in it right away. The good thing about that is you've got to see Mandy Rose go in there and do her thing because there's another one, too, who not she looks the part. She's strong as hell. She's got a move set. She can work in the ring. I mean, she's she's the total package of stuff, and she's been able to shine a little bit with that injury. So good things happen sometimes like that. But I'm with you, man. Scale it back down. Make the titles mean more. Too many belts. Money the water. And then nothing really means anything anymore. You, I would, I would love to see them add a female version of the Intercontinental or U.S. Champion, or give me women's tag team. I champions. was saying tag team. See, that's what we said on the show. You've got enough women that you could do a women's tag match every week, and and that might be a great vehicle for some of these women to before they get to the singles competition against the Charlottes and the Oscars and all that to really get in there and work a little bit more on the bigger stage. And and a great way to bring some of these NXT women through also to, to not have to thrust them in there working with the top-notch talent necessarily right away. But you could have that kind of you know women's tag division because you have enough talented women to support it right now. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think – another thing, and this wasn't uh, one of the most – uh, well-received things I've said. Stop trying to sell me on this women's revolution thing because he, here's my issue with it. All you're doing is making them look like copycats. You know, hey, look, they get to do Elimination Chamber now, although the men have been doing it for years. Hey, they get their own Royal Rumble. They've been doing it for years. You know what? Why don't you give the women a a never before, never before seen match or something totally different that hasn't been done in WWE in years to make me feel like this revolution is different is is fresh because right now you're just making me feel like they're just trying to play catch up you know that's a really valid point uh, I can't argue with I know why you get heat for it but you're making a valid point there and my the only thing that I will say to it is this as a father of two young girls who absolutely adore wrestling this is a big deal to them and them getting to do the same things as the men. Like you have no idea. My kids watch, you know, they have the network. They'll watch old Royal Rumbles. They, they were watching Royal Rumbles, dude, going back for years and years because they want, they didn't even know what a Royal Rumble was, you know? So they've been watching the different ones before we got to the actual Royal Rumble. And they were so excited when the women had their own. So it, it is a big deal. And I don't think it's the kind of deal that, you and I can appreciate, unfortunately, on the same level as the the female fans and the young girl fans do. That, yeah, you're right. You're ap- what you're saying is 100% correct. But at the same time, the acknowledgement that we have the exact that that equality acknowledgement of the same that we can handle the same styles of matches like Elimination Chamber, like Hell in a Cell, like Money in the Bank. We could do ladders. We could do all that stuff. It's important for them. And now that they've done it all, I think, Dennis, you're right. Now that we've gone through the cycle of 2017 into 18 from one WrestleMania to another, now it's start to do something new and innovative that the men have never done. And that will then be revolutionary as well. That'll be a, a continuation of it. But 
I understand both sides of the coin, but you are absolutely right in what you're saying as well. You could get away with, on the main roster, having a women's war games. Only because it was on NXT, and maybe not everybody you're saw right. it there. But if, you, if, if war games were to make it onto the main roster, it has to be done by the women first to really make me believe that these women are innovative and doing and not just playing follow the leader but they are the leader make me believe it bring back some of these old school WCW gimmick matches the the Texas chainsaw or t- was it the Texas uh strap matches or the buff bag was uh, mom on a pole you want to bring that one back to <laughs> no you, you live was Where's Jude Bagwell right now she's still alive I uh, yeah she's still alive but <laughs> but right. you got to you got you look you got to do something to to make these women leaders not followers give give them something you haven't done in years and, and make me believe that they're the leaders that they are. I'll tell you what you, you want to, and I and I've been saying this for a while too. You want to really let them be revolutionary and 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 they've earned it. I mean, the women's division I think is terrific. Yes, you know that what they're doing is spectacular. Um, for me, many nights they are the highlight. I want to see a female main event WrestleMania. It, I think it can support it. I think that they have the talent right now on the roster to do it. They could probably do it in a fatal four-way kind of situation. Um, that would be the best scenario to give four women that chance for that kind of spotlight. But that's that's like the – to me, next year at WrestleMania, that's where they should be working towards. Because let's face it, right now, star power-wise, you can make that argument that, you know, especially if Roman's going to be champion, if that's what you want to do – <laughs> you know, I would rather watch a four women match than to watch, you know, any combination of the women that, you know, you can put Sasha in there, you can put Oscar in there, you can put you know, Alexa in there, whoever you want to put in there, then watch Roman fight, you know, almost anybody on the roster. I said it on the last podcast that Asuka versus Ronda Rousey, if that doesn't, and they both have to be undefeated, if they're, if that's not WrestleMania main event, there's something wrong. Well, my jury is out on her still because I want to see her. I want to see her at this venue. I'm. I'm not. I'm giving her benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to be patient. I honestly am. I. I understand exactly why she's there. I get why it's eyeballs on the thing. Everybody in the locker room who might be pissed off because someone's come in there and they've all paid their dues and she's walked in. I think she has more cachet than others because she actually fought. So they understand that she's coming from a world where she's earned what she got to. So it's not like she's some celebrity person only. But I don't know, man. I, I, I'm I worried that there's that weird disconnect where she can't pull off that in the ring, on the mic, connect with the audience thing. Because this ain't the second tier. This is the main shows. And on the main shows, man... If you can't be the total package, it's going to be real hard for you to get to that level that you're talking about. Here's here's my answer to your your question. Right. If that was Let's a do it. not really a question, but I'm going to pretend. Well, you, it's a statement. Yeah, here's your rebuttal to my statement. There you go. WCW Goldberg didn't get on the mic. Went in, had 30 second matches, and was a beast. That's how you protect Ronda Rousey. For, you have her go in and you have her just beat people for a year straight in, in under a minute. She doesn't need to talk on the mic. I know she's a badass. Excuse my language. Yeah, but you're you're bringing this argument to, to the guy who who never liked Goldberg, never got it, didn't did, you know, and and understood why he never had staying power and why people hated working with him. Because he couldn't do more than that, and you're asking a lot of people in that locker room to lay down for that person. Yeah, but That's you know, tough. you know what the only difference I think would be, Ronda's training to get better. I don't think Goldberg. Oh, hundred really... percent. That's why I'm being patient with her, dude. Because that... I think that she will. I think in the ring she'll work. I want to see it, <laughs> but you know, I think I think you're in a point now, and I and I said this on the show too, and you know uh, that. I mean, you know, I'm curious to your thoughts. You're at a point now where I think the fan base will accept the exceptional worker and and embrace them, even if the mic skills and the connectivity and storyline and gimmick doesn't quite match up. I mean, I think AJ is a perfect example of that. AJ is not the greatest guy on the mic. He never will be. He's made incredible improvements in his career. But he's so phenomenal in the ring, no pun intended, <laughs> that it, it transcends it. It transcends. It doesn't matter because everybody just loves him because of what he's capable of. And I'm one of those people. 
if she can do that, I think this generation of wrestling fans is more apt to accept her than, say, a generation before her. But you, but look at China too. China wasn't on the mic every week during the Attitude Era. China True. didn't have long matches. We still love China. You could give her, and she was the female version of Goldberg, if you really think about it. Under minute matches, just destroying people. That that's how you protect her until you can, you know, loosen that leash a little bit. You don't have to throw her into seven to twelve minute matches right away. I believe, as you do, as everybody else does, if Ronda gets in the ring with just about almost every woman on that card, uh, on that roster that doesn't have an MMA background, she would destroy them super quick. Give me that for a little bit. Let her, you know, work up to being the well-rounded superstar we know she could possibly, hopefully, be. And then, you know, you can let her off the chain. I'm okay if you just give me Ronda in little doses because if you don't, she's just going to be Roman Reigns. It's possible. It's possible. You know, I always find that the forced superstar is always one of these things that's just hard to pull off. You know, there's there's nothing more triumphant than the Stone Cold Steve Austin type of person who this this organic thing grows out of really truth, right? His disdain for where he was at that point in his career, having worked as long as he did in, in other wrestling fact uh, situations and other companies and being in the WWE and then, you know, they kind of did this million dollar champion thing and all this stuff. And then eventually <laughs> him just becoming an exaggerated version of himself. And and what is it, and who's the perfect foil? And, you know, it's funny. Stone Cold's a great champion, right? But who's his greatest foil? It's Vince McMahon, yeah. right? So. It doesn't matter where the foil comes from. The great champions always have the great, you know, have that great foil, and and it, they need it. It's very hard to be a great champion without one, and not everybody can, you know, do that. He can support the champion. You know, it, everything has to line up right. You have to have the right sense of of who to put together, and that's so important. It's more than just the belt, man. It's you know, and some folks need the belt. Like Rude needs the belt right now. Yes, <laughs> in my opinion, he needs it bad. You know, there's some other guys that need a belt uh, because they just need it and it'll help them just kind of have a little gravity with with the the universe a little bit. But, uh, you know, I I hope Rousey works out. I'm skeptical. We'll see what happens. I'm really worried because they're not, in my opinion, getting off to a great start with her. Is is if we were to believe that they're leading up to maybe a tag team match, you know, the McMahon's versus Angle and her and. Yeah, it, it there were it's a head scratching moment where you had Kurt Angle that's like, yeah, I lied, I'm sorry. He gets punched in the mouth and she's hanging all over him like, are you okay? I I tell you, they they mess that up because if you're trying to create dissent, Ronda wouldn't be on the ground seeing if he was okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, you want to talk about legacies too. I mean, God bless Kurt Angle, but I, I it's hard to watch him stand. I, yes. I hurt watching him stand the way his body is crouched now. And, and I just – I don't want to see him in that ring again. I know it's coming. I know. Winter's coming and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania is coming, but I don't want to see it. Do, do you know who else I'm kind of over is, is Jonathan Coachman? But he just doesn't sound like <laughs> – He just came back. How are you over? <laughs> listen, if you listen to him, he doesn't sound like the same guy he was before he left. And I get times change. He did something different. But he really feels at times, and if you listen to the words he says during commentary, it sounds like, and it's obvious, he's been so disconnected from the product that I just I just shake my head going, wow. Wasn't he kind of in a weird role? I mean, the last time we saw him, he's more in that Michael Cole or backstage interviewer kind of role, and now he's kind of... I don't know. Is is like the, the the second or the number two or number three guy, however you want to determine it. If Corey Graves is the heel announcer, like what is his role? It's kind of an undetermined one, right? I don't I don't think he knows what it is. Give him time to figure it out. I hope you know he's he's such a pro that I think he will. But I understand where you're coming from. It's kind of a I don't know. It's it's a role that's undefined. You know, it's one thing when you have another wrestler in it. It's another thing when you bring in another announcer into it. What what's your thoughts on Corey Graves? Because this is where our friendship hinges. <laughs> 
Oh man, there's a lot of pressure because I really like you. We both like cigars, yeah, I know. we like I, wrestling, we like football. I'm a little worried I mean, here. I, I I find Corey Graves is, sh- I think his shtick is entertaining. I mean, uh, I do. Here's the thing: I if he <laughs> if he was consistent, it'd be entertaining. Sometimes okay, he's... that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I don't love Corey Graves, but I don't. It's not impeding my enjoyment of the program. How's be, that? Is that be, fair? Be one way or the other, because if you listen to some matches, he's on the face side. If you listen to other matches, he's full out hill, and it just it's it's like a whim. There's no there's no rhyme or reason, and I don't like that. And maybe this is just me, but I want my commentators to have defined roles. Yeah, well, we're spoiled too. I mean, let's be frank. We're we're spoiled true. because you know the Jim Ross. I mean, if. <laughs> You know, my kids have all the, the action figures and stuff, and there's no way that when we're playing and, and you know, if I'm doing commentary where you're playing with the guys and stuff, that, that Jim Ross voice isn't the voice going through my head when I'm calling a match. It just is. So we, you're that combination of him and Jerry, we just get spoiled, you know, and I think for so long. I mean, you know, when we were kids, it was, you know, Vince calling stuff and Gorilla Monsoon and those kind of guys. So you get spoiled in that sense. but. What it, what it evolved to with with Jim and and the King, I think they've been searching for that ever since, and they were just two unique characters. And you know, it's it's you're not going to find that. That's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. You're not going to find that chemistry. You know, I, I'm okay with Corey being on both shows. I've got no issues with that he's a little. I, I don't know if I want to say he's a little bit better, but I like him a little bit more on SmackDown. He he adds a little more oomph to that show that sometimes just feels like it lags on and doesn't have a point, but just be a face or a heel, but don't go back and forth. He's better on that show because I think he feels more confident with the B team announce team to be what he wants to be. Whereas I I think on the A team on the main show on raw, I I think he's holding back. And that's the thing. Look, you did look, You've been doing radio for years. I was mm-hmm. on Sirius for years and, and Fantasy Network for years, right? So as radio guys, you know this and I know this. Never do the show that you think people want to hear. Do the show that you want to do and you want to hear and people will want to listen to it. That's the thing. And Corey Graves, I think when he is that guy on the SmackDown show, you're right. I don't think he's worried about what it sounds like. I think he's just doing Corey Graves, and he's not the same guy. You're right. On the Raw show, there is inconsistencies there. But I think you also got to give him time to grow into that you know, role too because I think it takes a long time. And doing two shows, man, that's, that's, a, that's a tough schedule. That is. He's working hard. It, it, look, it, it is, and I'm not taking it away. Just to, to find the role, get rid of coach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's, that's it. He, Michael Cole – has rebounded because, you know, there for a little bit when Michael Cole was having that angle where he wanted to wrestle and he was a full-out heel and all this stuff, I didn't like it. But he really has rehabbed his image in my eyes to where I more than tolerate him. I think I kind of like him. He's, I used to, the mystery GM, it was a computer, excuse me, that kind of stuff really hurt and hurt him in my eyes. But, I really I want my commentators to be commentators, not to team up with wrestlers and fight. So Cole has done an amazing job in, in rehabbing that image. Yeah, I, I think so too. And uh, the only thing about Michael Cole that always bothered me, that bothered me from day one, is he says W very, very intently. And he says W, 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 like the way he says the word, the letter W. <laughs> like who says W? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like it's W. Like I don't know. <laughs> There's something about that that no matter how many times I hear and now I've ruined it for everybody. But leave it to two guys from a broadcasting background to sit around and pick apart the broadcast. I mean, my God, we are sad. <laughs> Other than that, is there anything you wanted to touch on before we send this thing home? I, I, we, we had a lot of things tonight. We did. I mean, the only other thing I touch on too is, you know, we, we started to see a little bit of them letting Balor be Balor too, where he's kind of a jerk. And kind of, you know, floating in that in-between and looks relaxed and like he's having fun. I know there's this thing around, you know, where the WWE, if you're not a WWE guy from the get-go, it's really hard for you to get to the top. I hope they don't screw the pooch with him because they've got to look. 
you know, you've got a lot of possibilities. That match where uh, when when uh, Balor and Styles went at it, you know, because of the illnesses and things like that a couple months back, you saw a little bit of what this can be. And I hope, I hope that, you know, when they recycle everything and all of these things, you know, for WrestleMania come to a conclusion and the brand split ends, whatever it is, that they take the talent there and they really make some good choices. And I'm hoping that the whole concept of Vince McMahon getting tied up in XFL for the next year or so allows this wave of the NXT, you know, Aleister Blacks of the world and the, and the Kyrie Sains of the world to come through and filter in and really utilize this talent because they have more talent between the NXT and the main rosters than I think they've ever had in the history of the show. And if they just let them organically grow and be the people they are, they can have something really, really special and, and another renaissance on their hands. Here's the only issue with that. And you, you're, everything you said about Balor is right. And I think to the detriment of the WWE, they have too much talent because the, the problem is not everybody can win every match. And then You're right. someone's going to have to lose. And then you get in the 50-50 booking. And, you know, I think they're just too talented. If they were smart, they'd just have a separate company, call it WCW, and, and run it a different way. And you maybe you did turn it into NXT or the minor leagues. I think leagues. that's what NXT is going to become eventually. I honestly do. I hope so. I think, I think that's the goal. And it's going to be the cool – it's going to be what it is now – but you know we know where these things are going. It's it's the internet age. Everything is you know direct to consumer and stuff like that. They're doing these matches on Facebook Live. Yeah. That's going to be the hip, cool product where those kind of wrestlers are going to live. And then the main roster will still be the the kind of guys that are the larger than life and still connect with the kids and still connect with you know some of the big picture things there. But the cool product, the NXT product, is going to be that. And I think they're in a very good spot. And eventually what you're going to see is people not wanting to make that jump because there's something about that fake indie cachet of NXT (laughs) that's going to work for them as their brand of wrestler. And eventually it's going to get to a point where they're not going to want to go to the main roster because they're going to – they'd rather be the big fish in the cool pond than the mid-carder in the big giant one. Would – and this listen there's no rumors you this is just me being fantasy booker fanboy Dennis here would right. would a intercontinental champion Finn Balor versus the universal champion Roman Reigns at next WrestleMania be enough to be a main event because it's been a long time since we've seen you know title versus title match at WrestleMania to that to that standard, but would would your Intercontinental Champion be Finn Balor? Because to me, uh, the Miz wouldn't be enough to carry that as much as no. I li- and I think I think that's where I feel like that's where they're going. I think it's going to be a three way dance with Rollins, Miz, and Balor. And if he held it that long, and they really made him that kind of a champion, Balor is one of those guys that if you allow him to 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 be more Balor esque. You know, more New Japan, you know, Prince Devitt kind of baller. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're going to allow him to be more like that, then I think that that's a foil that you can get something out of Roman. And maybe that is foil for him because that's the kind of guy who can take him to those big time matches. And Roman needs that kind of guy and he needs somebody who's comfortable on the mic like he is. And I think make Balor the bad guy and make it and just let him really do that. That's the way to, for Balor to su- succeed, and I think that's the way you could make that work. I don't think you're going to see it, but I, I, I'd pay for it. That's for sure. I think I would too, but that was just right off the top of my head. All right, listen. Still fun. <laughs> I told you this would only be like 40 minutes, and we're an hour in, so let's wrap this up. W- once again, in your Ring podcast, you had your first episode. I am over the moon for you getting into the wrestling industry. I, I want you to be on this podcast a lot, so I'm excited that you're in. You're in. I, I'm in. I'm in 100. percent You know me, dude. I don't do anything half-assed, bro. If I'm doing it, it's it's balls to the wall. It's uh, it's in this ring. Uh, it's over on inthisleague.com. Uh, so like I said, we just started, we put the Twitter handle up too, but, uh, you can go follow myself on Twitter at Joe Pisa PS 17. You could follow Tim underscore Heaney H E A N E Y. I should probably spell my name cause it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, it's like the leaning tower of Pisa. It's Joe 
P-I-S-A-P-I-A-17. It's In This Ring. That's the show on the In This League uh, podcast network, and they get a lot of great stuff over there. But it's it's two guys talking wrestling who love wrestling. We're going to do some fun bits and some fun things. we got a lot of ideas. We're one episode in, and I can tell you right now, as soon as it ended, all we kept talking about is what we're going to do on the next one. So I, I want to thank you so much for bringing me on, embracing us so quickly. And any time Petey Williams is too busy you know, breaking bones and hurting people – you need somebody to come in and talk. I am here for you, dude, anytime. I will make the time because Petey Williams is a bo- <laughs> breaking bones and eating scones. So there we go. I love scones. <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. Uh, head over to WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com. You can follow Petey and myself and the Facebook page. Thank you, guys. In this ring, go download it now. See you guys next week. <laughs>